Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And today we are going to speak with Sutton Foster, who is an actress and a mom, and she's amazing. And she she just comes in and she's Tony winner. She's so impressive, and she and she comes in with like the cutest little outfit, like a bun on the top of her head, and she's she looks wearing, like she could literally be in middle school. She looks like she's like yeah, she looks like she's, she's twelve. So young. She's just so fun. Um, so you're gonna see that she opens up fully, which is one of the things that we love here on on Mom Brain because we're all trying to just figure this whole crazy journey out together. Um, and so she's going to talk to us about her IVF um, journey and then eventual uh, adoption. I agree. I think one of her most charming attributes is she just, even in these really poignant, heartfelt, wonderfully vulnerable moments, she still manages to be hilarious. Um, so please enjoy Sutton Foster. Silly mommy. Hi, my name is Sutton Foster. I'm an actress, singer, and dancer, and a mom of two-and-a-half-year-old Emily Dale Griffin. And I'm also a dog mom and an avid crocheter. You can find me on Instagram at Sutton Lenore, on Twitter, which I don't do very much, at S Foster NYC. Why do I have different ones? I do not know. <laughs> on Facebook, at a, yet a different one, at Sutton L. Foster, or... On a website, which is also different, suttonfoster.com. Thank you. <laughs> There's your afternoon sorted. <laughs> Have fun. Um, your daughter is two and a half, which we were just remarking. I don't, I don't know if the microphone caught us or if it was before we actually went rolling on. Um, that two and a half is a is an age where up until that point, you've really been pouring, you know, in some ways, pouring your expectations of what her personality will be into and onto her. Yeah. And then at two and a half, she's verbal enough and independent enough to really push back on that and become herself and start to give you tastes of the incredibly large personality you're about to experience the rest of your life. Definitely. So, talk to us about about Emmy at two and a half. What's she like? Emmy. Emmy da- Emily Dale Griffin, two and a half. She, what's interesting is my daughter's adopted and from... Day one, when we met her, she, we were there when she was born. We met, I held her 30 minutes after she was born. What was that like? Um, Amazing. I mean, our whole adoption process, uh, our whole journey to be, to um, being parents. um, I mean, so much of it was so unknown. I mean, it still is. It's like this huge learning curve of, um, of of being a parent in general, but also being an adoptive parent is, you know, I'm I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. We're, you know, we're just sort of navigating it. Um, but we were there. We were there at the hospital when she was born. And yeah, I I held her 30 minutes after she was born. And I was I didn't know how I was going to feel or um, I was just sort of stunned. And then you just have this baby and you're like, oh, OK. But I, my best friend, um, her name's Megan and her son is seven weeks older than Emily. And so when, and we were sort of comparing, she was like, Sutton, I felt the same way. She's like, I had, I gave birth to my son, but I, he was in my room and I was like, how did, 
what? What is this it's thing? Not, it's like it's not real until the baby comes out in so many ways. And yeah. My friend said that the best. She says it's because you haven't met her yet. Yeah. And whether they're inside of you or inside of someone else, it's that connection yeah. of when you meet somebody, you meet your soulmate that really creates that bond of being a mom or yeah. being a dad. But it was in, like for me, it was instant. I mean, yeah. like I was like, oh. Mom, I am mom, you know, yeah. but I, but who she was like in that first five minutes meeting her is who she is. And no, they're, they, but they're born who they are. You think you have so much power, you think no. you have so much power, the nurture, their nurture nature. She's like, from day one, we would hold her and she would cry and cry and cry. And then we put her down to get her like vitals done. Yeah. And she was like, oh, thank God. I need the space. <laughs> Release. <laughs> I need the freedom. And that's, she like. Was she born right on time? She was born 10 days early. I don't know why, you know, the science brain in me wants to wants to make sense of how personality comes from genes. And I don't know where it exists, but there's something very magical about the fact that they are born as they are. And there's, and, you know, and, and being an adoptive parent, there's that nature nurture thing, you know, and I and it's but it's kind of amazing for me because I'm like because she doesn't have my genes. And so I'm just sort of like, wow, OK, there's I have a I'm already sort of letting go like from day one. I'm like, all right, be who are you, you know? But then yet things I, I say, she said, you know, there's that she's, she talk, she says, You're I, I realize, yeah, yeah, I realize I, I say things like, I, I, I'm trying to like emphasize things for her to do. So I'm always like, oh, this, this, this cup's really cool, right? And I say, right, a lot. And she went through this whole phase. She's like, my friends are really going to like my shirt, right? I was like, Aww. oh yeah, they're totally going to like it, Aww. right? It's genius. She, she's, she's demanding a response that she wants. She's like, you will agree with me. I'm setting it up. Right? Exactly, you agree with me. That's, it's what, a genius that's what you do. But it was making, she's like, this is cute, right? I'm like, yes. Before that, you went through a journey, an IVF journey. So can you talk to us a little bit about this? Sure. I um, Growing up, I was always sort of on the fence whether or not I wanted to have a family. Um, I was always very career oriented. I have a brother, I have an older brother, um, and him and his wife never had kids. So the idea of like, really of, of having kids didn't appeal to me until I met my husband. But we met, I was 39 when we got married. And my whole life, you know, you try not to get pregnant because I always thought, oh, you sit on a toilet seat, but you get pregnant. You know, I just thought... Sperms were everywhere. Sperms. <laughs> they were everywhere. They're just going to attack my vagina. That's and I was the title. Pregnant by, uh, yeah. Episode. Sperms are everywhere. <laughs> so um, I was just, that's what I thought. And then uh, when I met my husband, I was kind of like, oh, now I understand sort of what I had been married before. And, and I didn't really understand what marriage was or what family was. I just didn't until I met Ted. And, and I was like, oh, I think I would like to do this with you. And um, so we sort of started right away. Like just, we just, I guess, tried not, tried to not get pregnant. Wait. Yeah. Tried I just not, like, we yeah. tried not, not getting yeah, pregnant. That's it. <laughs> so we weren't like actively like, you know, I wasn't like timing anything, but I thought, oh, it'll just, you know, happen, which it didn't. And we, we tried for about a year and a half. And, um, and then I was in my, I turned 40 and I thought, damn it. Because everyone was like, I know they freak you out. They about freak the, you out, and it's. But the thing is, is that it's there's, real. There's, there's some. There's some to it. Well, it's funny because I had my last baby at 34, and I was young, 
and I'm 35 now. Now you're old. And I've had two miscarriages <laughs> at 35. And you know how many doctors have said to me, they're like, well, you're old now. Oh, AMA, so... advanced maternal age, is what Isn't I'm called. Isn't that crazy? And I want to be like, thank you, 70-year-old man who is telling I me know. this. You know? I know. So it's, yeah, you have to take it with a grain of salt. But uh, yes. You do, no, there you is, do. There's just such a line. There's no middle age in motherhood. It's either you're young, you're old, and that's it. According to doctors and science, right? Or whatever. So for me, one of my other really good friends had gone through IVF in her late 30s and had twins, a boy and a girl. And um, I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's go down this road. And so my husband and I, um, we went to, uh, we tried one round in California and we had real, we had no obstacles other than my age. But like, in my mind, I'm still 17 and I'm on a show called Younger. And it's like, I'm I'm like convinced that this you is- You look 17. So, so yes, I'm you know, convinced I'm like, also. <laughs> I'm just like, well, this doesn't make any sense. So, and we had no real red flags or anything. Uh, the first round went well. I I was like pregnant for like a, five days or something. And then it didn't, it didn't take. And I was frustrated and, and we had- a lot of embryos tested and they all came back up normal. And it was just, I was like, I remember being in like a sports authority or something. I don't know why. And talking to like the nurse on the phone and um, she was like, they're all abnormal. I was like, wait, what? Like, how is this possible? Like, I don't understand. This is all supposed to work. And so I was so heartbroken. And then I had to, we came back to New York to start filming younger. And I did another round while I was filming which was insanity. I wasn't really telling anybody. And I'm like, you know, doing all these hormones and it was very intense. And it's all, you know, falls on the woman, you know, Ted just had to hang out in a bathroom and, and then, um, you know, and, and I'm like putting needles in my belly and manipulating my body. And it was, it was weird. It was like a, a, a very tricky t- emotional time. And, um, I remember after the second round and it didn't take and I was just, uh, I had like a total breakdown. I, I was doing some, I had some work in um, Tokyo and Japan and it was in this very strange hotel that was stuck in the 70s. And uh, I had like a, I always call it the breakdown in Tokyo because it sounds more exciting, but I was like, <laughs> like bawling on the bed and my husband's just like, I was like, I can't do it. I was just like so upset. And, and I said to him, I'm like, I can't, I said, I'll do this one more time, but we have to pursue adoption at the same time. We have to send out all the troops. I was like, it can't just all fall on my shoulders. I was like, I I don't, I can't, I can't handle it. Like I, I, I don't, this can't be the only way to have a family. And he was like, okay, okay. I was like, you have to call Peter Herman. Peter Herman, who's on the show with me, and he, him, him, and his wife have two adopted kids. And um, I was like, "You have to call him and talk to him." And so he was like, "Okay," and he did, and he talked to him. And like in a month, we met with an adoption lawyer. And where we had all these obstacles with fertility, once we pursued adoption, it was like this soul was trying, was coming at us like a cannonball. Like it just wow. was meant to be. And I'm like the type of person who believes I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. And I'm like, oh, the universe. It's like, so I was so frustrated because it felt like things were lining up. Even with all the fertility, I was like, I don't understand why it's not working. It seems like it's all, but it it wasn't working. Like I think in my mind and maybe in my relationship with Ted, we needed to go through that process we needed to check those boxes 
in order to get to. You have to know because otherwise you'd always wonder. Exactly. So I was so, I could cry thinking about it, but I was so frustrated with how it wasn't working, but I didn't realize until my daughter was born that the reason it wasn't working is because she's your baby. She's my daughter. But it was working. It was just working towards a different end than you had in mind. So I was, I was so, um, there's not a doubt in my mind that she's my daughter. Yeah. You know, so you think about it, it's like, it doesn't matter that she didn't come out of my vagina, but she is just, you know, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And so I don't even, but so much of her story, it's her story, you know? And so someday I can't wait. And our, our whole story has been just unbelievable and, and, um, and positive and amazing. And, and we have an open adoption and it's, it's been, what does that mean? Just means that there's nothing's, everything's open. We know no secrets. So, you know, you know, her birth parents and they know, oh, that's amazing. So it's all, I have all the information. And like, that's what I'm so happy is that she does too. Mm. The door is just open. As Mm. long as everything's positive and and healthy for her, I'm good. But it's, but it's this huge learning curve of like, I've, now I have this whole nother family that I've inherited. So it's because it's all about her. So like my family tree has grown. So it's, um, it's been this amazing journey. I mean, and what you're doing right now with your story is amazing and helping so many people because we've been taught to be so quiet about our fertility and adoption choices and all, all the different things that we're just supposed to bear, as you say, on our shoulders as women. And when you just let it out there, it's not scary anymore because it's not a secret. Secrets are only scary when they're secrets. Yeah. Um, is one of the reasons I decided to be so open about what goes on with me too, because otherwise you just have to, you know, you're on your show and you're taking all these things and you feel really crappy and you just have to pretend that you're okay and you're not okay. Yeah. And sometimes it's better just to just say to people, I'm not okay. I will be okay. I think I'll be okay, but right now I'm not okay. And then people kind of just get it a little bit more. It's not something that you have to bear. Yeah. Um, what I'm curious, when you called Peter, what advice did he have for you, if any, about like what the process would be? Like? I mean, it's I love to hear that it was actually an easy process once you got the ball rolling because. Which is rare. We, right. We've we, heard our, such. Our lawyer was like, has said that they can, she can never use us as a. Test case. Yeah. yeah. Because it all was so positive and, and, and good, um, which actually scares us because we're, we're think we're on the we've opened the door at about doing it again, but oh, I'm also amazing. nervous because our first experience was so positive. Right. But the, the biggest piece of advice I think that Mershka and Peter both gave us was to, um, you have to let go because with adoption, there are so many other factors in play. It isn't just about you and your husband. It's mm-hmm. about, there's a whole other, whole other families. There's a lot of people that are involved what we we were matched very early and so we we were able to have a relationship while our birth mom was pregnant so we had we were able to have a we've like built this relationship with her but you have to but like I didn't put the nursery together I didn't um have a baby shower I just you just have to stay super open you have to open your heart soften it and it's all about letting go and if this kid is supposed to be in your life, they will be in your life. If they are not, they will find that they, the fit, whatever, wherever this little soul is supposed to end up, that's, so you just have to let go. So you can't control. And I'm a control freak. And, um, that's hard. Hard, And you just have to like, you know, we got the call that she was, um, in labor and, uh, 
we're and we're like and like the night before I told Emily was born on a Sunday and on that Saturday I said Ted I was like I know I was like I have a feeling she's going to be early I was like I have a feeling she's she's going to come I said I said we have to like we have to go to bye bye baby <laughs> and I was like you have to come like we have to go I was like let's go to Jersey we and, like, that, and that was the nesting moment that, like, yeah I was like happening. and my friend Megan's like here are 10 things that you should get and that's all she, you should buy and I was like we gotta go we like bought 10 things and I ordered a stroller and we had some friends over the night before and like our two best friends our two um, like a gay couple we, we were like <laughs> We please, for the sake of our marriage, put the stroller together. And they like put the stroller together. We had a stroller. We had like diapers, you know. I mean, that's the greatest gift of all time. Please put together all of my electronics, my any furniture that's involved. Definitely the stroller. Yeah. It's an immense puzzle. I don't understand. Oh. I've never felt so stupid as every, I have trying to put together any of those. Every baby pieces. related item is enough to like break you. And I feel like the hardest thing I have to do in my life right now is... The, my hardest job, like I can sing, dance, tap numbers. True, you anything. are a Broadway star. I can you do anything, like but getting my daughter ready for school at two and a half to get her there on time. It's rough. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Is she at a phase yet where she wants to pick her own clothes? Is that something that... That happened this morning. It's just starting. And uh, I, I'll the, the thing, I'll put out, I'll lay out three outfits mm-hmm. I was going to say, that is the only thing that has been successful for us is picking the outfit the night before. Because, Ooh, I should try yeah, that. That's a good idea. Because she'll pick, I'll let her have some fun. Normally I present options. I'm like, would you like to wear option A or option B? And then because she really desperately wants to get in bed and read, she does it quickly. Where in the morning she's like, yawn, I don't know. Let me think about <gasps> what I feel like that. wearing. I haven't done the night before thing. Because like today I put out three outfits and she goes, no, thanks. Yes, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You could- <laughs> That was an option. There that was, D. yeah, there's, there's no D. D. You have to pick one. Uh, no, there's always an option D. There oh. always is with kids who are very willful. There, very people will always willful. say to me, they're like, just give them two options and then they'll think they're making their own choice. No. I'm like, no, no, they're way too smart for that. No, she's- The problem with the night before thing is they're like, that's how I was feeling last night. I know. And I'm not feeling like that anymore. So it, it's just, it's really a personality thing. Oh, yeah. I am curious. You know, you- you're a full-fledged adult. And then you introduced a little baby into a life that had up until that point been just about you and just about your husband. How, you know, how have you changed? How has it affected your every day? How has it made you, I mean, you're also a highly emotive person. It's what you do for a living. How do you, you know, control your emotions? What What's that been like? You know what people didn't prepare me for was, I, I, and I, it seems so silly. My My husband and I hadn't been married for very long, but we, no one prepares you for what it does to your marriage. Like oh, what yeah. that first six months is like. Oh, yeah. No one talked to me about that because it like, <laughs> you are no longer two. I, I found that my husband and I reacted very differently to Emily being in our life. I was like, mom, like full on like nesting. And he was like, let's go to the theater. And I'm like, well, no, 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 wait, what are you doing? <laughs> like he kept buying theater tickets. And I was like, why are you buying, we have a, She's like two weeks. I don't get. What are you doing? (laughs) So we just both responded very differently, and it like, but no one really prepared me that it breaks your marriage apart, and then you reform right into something else. You you form into a family, but I no one told me that. So like that first six months was like crazy, and my husband we were like, you know, you're like, wait, what, what, and then you reform into something new and it's 
really beautiful. But like I, she's two, two and a half is really fun. Like we just started and I'm like really artsy, arts and crafts, crafty. Like with baby, I'd never, ta- I'd never taken care of a, a newborn. I never, I, I have her little newborn diaper in my um, night next in my nightstand drawer. But I, taking care of a newborn like freaked me out because you're just like she's so little and like I don't know what to do and bleh. and then, but then I mean every little step of the way, people, you know, how has it changed? How has it not changed me? You know. I always say there's like uh, little rooms in my heart that I didn't even know were there are now open. Like I didn't even know, you know, I notice every playground. I notice every kid store. Um, I notice every baby now. I have a lot more patience with like, with, uh, especially with infants on a plane or, you know, all of those things. But like I have different relationships with friends and, and other moms and, uh, we go. We we went to Legoland. I mean, I've never, you know? never have gone to Legoland. <laughs> but now I'm like constantly like thinking of like I de- You know, I'm like our, our. And I love my husband was like, I don't want our house to be taken over by a kid. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, there are pumpkin. You know, there are witch. There's like, there are witches and spiders and little hanging ghosts. I, I mean, like craft apocalypse has happened in our house and and um. And I, we have two dogs as well. So it's like. <laughs> did you have the dogs before? It? We did. We, Do they like her? Maybe. <laughs> both of our dogs. Pregnant pause. Big <laughs> pause. So both of our dogs are little, 13 and mm-hmm. 13 pounds-ish. Mabel was first. Mabel's like a, she's a Yorkie Dotson. So she's kind of long like a Dotson, but has like a Yorkie. She's so cute. So cute. And she went, and then we were trying to get pregnant, couldn't get pregnant. So we got Brody, got another dog. And Brody's a Westie poodle. And when we got Brody, Mabel was like, why would like, you, what, why? Why would you mm-hmm. do, do this to me? We, <laughs> and so Mabel's queen bee. And um, Brody's our wild card. He's a maniac. When Emily was born, Mabel was like, I. Again, I, another one? I know. She was like, I'm over this. <laughs> but she will. And she will claim. Like, Mabel's like on my lap, like next to me. She's like, this is my mom. <laughs> so when Emily started to crawl. Both dogs freaked out yeah. um, to the point where we thought they might be living with my dad. But they got over it. And then once Emily started eating solid foods in the high chair, both dogs were fine. Sharing. <laughs> they were like, OK, she has a purpose. I want to go back um, to the discussion of your of your marriage through this process, though, because <sighs> I do think that somewhere people fall apart sometimes. It's not yeah. all marriages that find their way back to a new and more beautiful put together they say a lot of a lot of merit that a lot of marriages fall apart in that first year yeah yeah well we're saying people don't talk about it they don't talk they don't prepare you one of the best pieces of advice someone gave us before we had the kid was the first nine weeks can suck suck because you're taking care of a bag of flour basically (laughs) that you're just trying to keep alive and but that you get nothing back Mm -hmm. and i i was like what like i i don't know what i expect you know and i i was like oh that's actually really good advice because I, y- you sometimes have that immediate bond. Sometimes it takes time, but like to, to know that it's not just, Oh, like you have this like me immediate like connection that you're like, okay, first nine weeks, you're like figuring it out. That was great advice. But then no one told me like, just so you know, having a kid can like wreak havoc on your marriage. And also we had just, we had just finished like 
three rounds of fertility. A very stressful. Very. It was that. really. Yeah. And we're still like recovering from a lot of it because it like so hard. You know, it's like that thing is like so hard to talk about, but it's it's it does it 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 like it affects everything. Well, it's tricky, but it's also um, any journey to and through parenthood takes you down to the studs in some ways. It's it's really um it it puts you at your most vulnerable and i think um you know people have to tread gently through that terrain with their partners because on the one hand you um you know you i don't know maybe this is just me i i sometimes am, am guilty of expecting my husband to know what i'm thinking oh and you know, uh, expecting well, duh. like and, and if, i always say <laughs> you what you read my mind yeah yeah constantly. tell me what i'm thinking yeah um to know what i'm thinking and or to like interpret the subtle clues in Aramaic right. that I'm giving him. Yeah. You know? And I, and I think that, um, that's sort of for us, especially with our first, but every time afterwards, it, the reason it brings us closer is because it, um, we look at it as a way to let us get to know each other better. And it was, was really interesting to me because it brought up for me all these ways that, um, you know, I won't speak for all women, but I myself had put all these expectations of what I would be like as a mother, what my experience of becoming a mother would be like. Um, and what I, what a lot of what he gave to me was a perspective and just like, you know, you're setting up those late, the, not even late nights, early mornings. God, you like don't even sleep anymore. You're this weird, you know, 24 seven awake animal. So, you know, some, some 3 a.m. sobbing session that I had in my, in my first, um, you know, first experience of motherhood, breastfeeding and the whole thing. And, and, um, you know, he, he would just tell me to say aloud the, 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 the psycho train that was happening in my head, right? Like he, say aloud all the things that you're thinking about yourself or that you're thinking about this experience and let it come out. And weirdly, just like the oxygen on that, put it to bed, like, let me hear aloud why the, the, the feedback loop was, um, without anyone else's response to it fed itself and as it does but when he he just let me say it out loud and then he would you know gently help me make sense of it and realize that it, what I was th thinking was not right but also um hit like he didn't have that attachment to these things he didn't maybe because he hadn't expected anything he hadn't he didn't have preconceived notions of what it was going to be like. And maybe the same way that, you know, he hadn't grown up wondering what his wedding was going to look like or what, right, you know, right, like right, right. thing for them, you know? Um, and, and anyway, I, I'm not, you know, not to take over this. I just, I'm really curious about how any strategies you used to open that conversation up, because I do think, I do think at first as a, as a control freak, as a type A, as a, someone who'd always been used to knowing what I needed to do to succeed, that is part of what derailed me was that there was no clear path to success. Like you can try a million things and none of them will pan out. And then like one thing you try by accident works perfectly or, right, right, right. you know, or you have like one piece of great advice and it, it carries you through a, a stressful time. I'm curious how you guys, if, if there were any strategies you use that let you be open and vulnerable with each other comfortably. Cause I th really think that's the crux of it. It's like, it's like if you hold on too tightly and you don't let that happen, that's when you get into trouble spots. And go. And, and, and one, two, three. Here is all of my wisdom of how to. I feel like you have so much wisdom. I don't. Do I? I do. I do. Um, I mean, honestly, for us, a lot of it was. It, I'm saying this like you're choosing your battles, letting things go, not picking on every. Like 
I, because I am such a control freak and I do want to control every little thing and I, and I want to overtalk and overanalyze stuff, a lot of it was like letting, it, letting things go like, and letting things sort of it's like be very fluid and coming together and yes, and talking about, but not over because sometimes things just needed time. Mm-hmm. And I, and you want to fix it right away. Of course like, you let, do. Me, let me put an answer And so on sometimes this. you have to like let things be shitty for a second. Yeah. And as long as you know that you guys want to be together. Yeah. And that you want to make it work out and time and time will tell. Totally. You know? And it does. And like sometimes like over, it's like overworking dough or yeah, something. I've, watched, sure. I've been watching a lot of the British baking show. But like, you know, <laughs> you are, like overworking something, it are doesn't. It's tender. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like if, if you overwork it, then it's like sometimes even with, with Ted and I, we can, we'll make, but if we just sort of. And we are, we oddly, we just kind of find, we always sort of find our way back and it's like allowing it to be, but like, that's what I realized sometimes what marriage and what relationships are, are. and, and that's okay. Like letting it be like, eh, it's not a 10 today, Yeah, but it's not a zero, you know, it's like, eh, it's a good solid six and that's okay, you know, but you're right. As long as we keep choosing each other, which we do. Exactly. You know what? I'm going to tell a silly story that you're not going to remember, but I do. <laughs> the first award show I went to was the 2011 Tony Awards. Oh, I did not know what the Tony Awards were because I did not know, didn't have access to Broadway because I was a poor yoga teacher. And I remember when you won. I was sitting right in the front and I was in between Alec and Al Pacino. <laughs> and I was wearing these shoes that were so uncomfortable. I had to take them off. And I remember you one for anything goes and you were like delightful and like full of energy and Neil Patrick Harris was fabulous and hosting the whole thing. Oh, that's so funny. And and it was like such a great moment. And I, I know that you don't because I mean we did meet at that and I know that that wouldn't be a moment for you because you were like a million things going on. But I like vividly remember like one of the four things of that entire night then my feet really fucking hurting me <laughs> was that you won and you were like so excited. I don't remember anyone else who won. But funny. it was like such it was such a yeah, it was a beautiful it was a beautiful moment. Do you enjoy Broadway um, more than than television or it's just different? It's just different. I love performing live. There's nothing like it. I always say it's like, <laughs> but performing live, you have the highest highs and the lowest lows because it's a 24-7 job, you know, and, and it's also, there's no stopping and starting over. There's no editing. There's It's all, so if you're sick or if you're tired or your daughter wakes up at three in the morning or, you know, I actually have never done a Broadway show being a mom. Uh, so this next year, cause I'm doing the music man next okay. year with Hugh Jackman. Oh, him. Oh, just that old guy. But, um, that'll be my first, uh, foray into that. So I'm like nervous about schedule. Yeah. No, schedule for sure. Cause I wait, she, you know, we get up at seven with her and then I'm performing at eight o'clock at night. You know, I, yeah. I was like, oh, I've got a nap. Can I nap? Or how am I right. going to do it? You know, but I'll, you figure it out. People do it. But it's a great, to be honest, it's a great time to do it because um, she's still young enough that she's not going to be in school all day. Right. So you get to spend the days with her. It's harder probably in the future when she's in school and that it would be the time that you get to spend with her. I know, I know. But but yeah, no, I feel like now is the time to do it if you're, you know. Yeah. But I I love performing live. I really do. It's, there's like a, I've had some of my greatest career moments have been like 
performing on stage, you know, and like that, whatever you, that, that, that shared experience with a thousand people and, an, and especially in a day where we're so attached to our phones, you know, we all have these one-on-one relationships with our phones, but ev- everyone puts them away and you're just like, ah. Well, it's such a treat for people to go and watch, you yeah, know, it's like, it's it, awesome. it feels fancy. You get to like, you know, get a little dressed up and you yeah. go in the lights and it's just a very romantic experience. It, it is. And it's, uh, it's, it's a thrill, but I also love doing television too. So I, that's been like a really nice, um, change of pace, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope, I hope to have, you know, Angela Lansbury career. I want to go, I'm going, I'm going <laughs> for you, it. You, that's so interesting. I, I, I always wonder if people who, cause you started so young too. I think you were 15 when you had yeah, 17, my oh, first 17. professional job, you know, whether, whether that makes you more fixated on like you know, being young and being, you know, youthful and all this stuff on camera, or if it makes you totally at ease with the, like, if you'd want to be and do it for until you're, you know, one foot in the grave at 155. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have no know. desire. It's funny because I'm on a show called Younger, but. Which we have to talk I, about because I I mean, such like a runaway hit. I, and I'm so it's, curious it's about been, that too. It's been, a, but it's been interesting playing a character who's like still trying to pull off being younger because I am my Sutton, who I am, I have no <laughs> desire to like go back or, or to even hold on to the idea of youth. Like I'm very, uh, present. Yes. I'm very present. Right. I'd like to age gracefully and like, you know, be smart, but I also have no desire to go backwards. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, I can't wait to play the spinster. You know, <laughs> like, well, there must be freedom in that too. There Cause is, you can yeah. just be whatever you want to be. There's I, no expectation of like, do be emotional, but still be pretty. Like be like, you I know. know like, I, it's very frustrating. And I, 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 I often feel there's such a fixation on holding on this idea that that celebrities or people that can't they can't grow older. I, it's it's frustrating yeah. to me because I was like I, I don't understand how that happened. The ones that embrace it actually succeed, right? and it really is this theme that you've been talking about the entire time, which is you gotta have to be you kind of have to be just fluid with it. Yeah, you gotta go with what's going on right, right. now, and whether it's to be honest, I mean. Whether it's you're adopting or you're having the baby yourself. I mean, I just had a miscarriage at four months old. Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought? And 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 it just gets to, you know, or or your career or getting older or or your relationship, any of these things. It's just be like, hey, this is what we have today. Yes, sure, I have some hopes and wishes and dreams right. for the future. But like this is what I have now, and that's all I can work with right yeah. now. And yeah. I kinda have to be open for what life is gonna throw at me. Yeah. And then you're not as disappointed. Yeah. And, and for me too, like if, if, when I look at my, if I look at the, the mountain, I'm like, it's impossible. But if I take it, if I take everything sort of once, one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time, then things don't seem so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, because at being a mom trying to navigate so much, it can feel impossible. Yeah. And there are certain days where I'm like, I am not getting out of my sweatpants. I am <laughs> not leaving this house. I can't. De- but then, you know, you have to sort of just take it all little in bite-sized pieces. And what are you most excited about that's coming up next? Uh, we have season seven of Younger starting Yay! in March, which I'm very excited about. It's and such then, a good show. And excited to, so to start working on Music Man with with Mr. Jackman. <laughs> um, mostly right now, I'm, I'm an avid crocheter. Oh. I also love to cook, but I'm like a... I, I fail a lot at it, um, but I, I keep trying. But I'm really excited about Thanksgiving, but I'm also really excited about um, 
all the things I make. I'm like making a lot of things. So I'm like making um, stuff for Christmas, and um, so I'm I'm mostly excited about all my creative craft projects. Well, <laughs> and so my baking adventures. Ilari is an excellent origami artist, and I like to really? cook. So I hope you'll say yes that we can do like a girl date sometime. Well, that would be amazing. We'll have a cooking. No, yeah. Oh, I like that. Crafternoon, a crafternoon. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna play a game, and it's called How Well Do You Know Your Kid. Daphne, hit it. What's the one ridiculous thing that causes your kid to freak out? Oh, um, right now it could be anything. She's two and a half. It could be getting in the stroller. Mostly it's stroller. We're like stroller wars right now. Like just getting her in the stroller is like the end of I could be pouring hot wax on her face. She like loses her mind. <laughs> she because she's so independent. Right. She wants to push the stroller. She doesn't want to get in the stroller. So we've had major meltdowns over the stroller. What Disney character does your kid most love? Oh, we went through a big Moana phase. Huge. She was slutty Moana for her second birthday because I made the costume and it was <laughs> slightly Moana. I no, think it's slutty. Just slutty. No, did slutty you Moana. did you crochet the costume? I did. I crocheted you did, the sash. And it was just a slightly Stop too short. Stop it. Was slightly too short. <laughs> Mama mia. I put it on and her little belly was out and then her skirt kept falling off. Oh, so yeah, she was slutty so Moana. Funny. Yeah. All right. What's the one toy your kid cannot live without? She's obsessed with the angel deer loveys. Oh, we yes. have like those. fifty of them, but and it varies between which one do you wash them all at the same time every time so they all are at the appropriate level of wornness yes they're all they all today was wash day but she goes back and forth between a cow lovey which she calls milky white or a unicorn lovey which she calls yui but i don't know which one's going to be the favorite true uh what's your kid's favorite ice cream flavor (gasps) oh Kids' favorite ice cream flavor. Um, she always asks for strawberry or Lello, yellow. And I'm like, I don't know what yellow is. <laughs> lemon, of course. Lemon. No, lemon or vanilla. mango or well, yes, vanilla or, or, or yeah. Banana. Or banana. Lello. But she likes, and now she's really into, this is terrible, chocolate. Why is girlfriend, wonderful. girlfriend loves a chocolate. Like I, I got her these little. smart. I know. Chocolate's delicious. I got her like the chocolate eyeballs. Oh, over um, Halloween, yes. you know, like yeah, an we eyeball. Have the, we have those. We yeah. have a whole a whole care, a case of them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so she was like, eyeball, eyeball, <laughs> chocolate eyeball. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But we let her have one chocolate. And then now she has chocolate soccer balls. Mm. What is the strangest thing you found in her mouth? Oh, God. In her mouth. This is a terrible story. I'm a, I think I'm a good mom. You look away for one <laughs> second. And the, the most horrifying thing that I ever found in her mouth was... Um, this is terrible. We were in the bathroom and I look around, I look over and she's got my razor. I mean, in an instant, literally, they reach for the most dangerous thing in yeah. the room. And she's like, ah, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, don't put that in here. <laughs> so it didn't quite make her mouth, thank God. But yeah, it's like every time I look around, she's like, hot pot of coffee? <laughs> like, <laughs> razor? <laughs> Knife? Like, what scissors? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, we ask on Mom Brain something that is called your favorite thing. Okay. Which could be just something you're really into right now. I mean, my my all-time favorite thing, like my number one all-time favorite thing that never changes is my pillow. What's pillow. your pillow? Because I'm always looking for a good pillow. Oh, no. It's like $3.99 from Target. It's not the pillow. It's, it's flat as a pancake. It's the pillowcase. Okay. <laughs> which is the same pillowcase I've had since I was a kid. Oh. It's this little, it's by this, it's called like, Canon Monticello or something like that. It's from the 70s and it's got, it's, I can see through it. It's 
got pink roses on it, or at least it used yes. to. And uh, I had it when I was a kid, like probably 10. I've had, I go on Etsy every once in a while and I look up to see if I can find another one. Find, so I have a backup. But I've gone through maybe four or five and I keep them. This is ridiculous. This is No, it's not. I still have my blanket and my tiger. I don't have them in my bed, but I have them near my bed. Yeah, no. Yep. A thousand percent. So what are you going to do? Throw them away? I keep all the the ones that I've worn out. They're all gray and see-through, no pattern on them. And I keep them in my underwear drawer and have like three or four. And if I ever have to like have a really hard conversation, I take my pillow (laughs) with me. Not like to an office or anything, but if, if it happens it's in, her in the bag. house. It's in her bag. Uh, guys, I have it with me. You, by <laughs> the way, she came with a backpack today, so I'm wondering that there might be a pillow in the But I travel button. with it. It goes with me everywhere, and that's my all-time favorite thing. Sutton, thank you so thank much. Thank you, so you guys. Okay, so that was Sutton Foster, and I have to say, I mean... I don't watch a lot of TV. I I watch the most TV when I'm nursing or pumping and younger watching, you know, from season one all the way through season six. She's mentioned that they're about to start shooting season seven. First of all, it's the perfect bite sized show because it's like, you know, half hour episodes and you can just sit and laugh and the characters are lovable and endearing and you and and the premise is like insane, but also kind of amazing in that it's this idea that a woman who's taken time off to raise her child uh, and then, you know, gets a divorce and needs to go back to work and tries to re-enter the industry she left and has found it to be completely radically different. Plus, you know, trying to re-enter the job force at, at I guess, her characters probably in her you know early 40s, having missed like 10 to 15 years of the progress and the climbing of the ranks that everyone else has done. Like you have no choice but to start at the bottom. The premise is she's pretending to be uh, you know, straight out of college at this. And it's such a cool idea of, you know, how do you navigate trying to hide the fact that she is a fully grown woman with an adult child and pretend to be a, you know, 25 year old college grad and all the fun, random things that she gets into along the way, like dating hot younger guys and all that, all that fun, all that fun stuff. But anyway, all that to say, I always find it interesting to meet the person behind a character that is so lovable because you like to think that they borrow from themselves. And I, she is so what I'd imagined in terms of genuine and generous and loving and like hearing her gush about her daughter, her beautiful daughter, who's in this really fun age at two and a half and just how creative and zany you get to be when you are a creative and zany person for a living, you know, um, yeah. how you bring that home as a, as a parent was just fun to listen to. There's a lot of joy in her home. Definitely. And now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite things. My favorite thing this week is a book by Rainer Maria Rilke, and it's Letters to a Young Poet. And I loved what Sutton was talking about, about sort of living the process and the answers and being more open to things. I also am kind of like a type A personality, and I'm constantly trying to like get away from my plans and getting into the moment. And I've definitely gotten better since I started yoga 15 years ago. But there's a quote in it, and I'm going to I'm going to shorten it a little bit, but he says, I want to beg you as much as I can to be patient towards everything that's unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms or books that are written in a very foreign language. Don't seek the answers which cannot be given you now because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything, live the questions now, and then perhaps someday far in the future without noticing it, you'll live your way into the answer. 
Um, and That's that, awesome. I know, I can't tell you, I think about that quote so many times. So anyway, that's that's my quote. That's my quote, and just I feel like so many it. times, yeah, just sit yeah. with it, just just breathe with it, and um, and then there you go, <laughs> <laughs> and then there, and there you go. Period. End of story. I'll just button onto that. It's not my favorite thing, but I'll just button onto that. That my my tea bag today. You know how Snapple caps used to have the things under the lids that would like you know your mantras. This one came up today for me, and I loved it. It's um, there is pleasure in the pathless wood. By Lord yes. Byron. Yes. I love that. The tea, the tea speaks. It's all the tea right. speaks the to tea, me tea when you. <laughs> okay. My favorite thing this week is going to be these Quinton isotonic dietary supplement. Um, it's it's seawater, basically, concentrated seawater with um, electrolytes. And the idea is so many of us are um, mineral deficient because the soil that our food grows in, even if you're eating a really balanced, great diet, um, is depleted more and more. We don't spend the time and the resources to replenish it and let it, you know, fallow and put nitrogen in and all the things that you are supposed to do to make your soil be able to give your food the nutrients it needs to have for your body to absorb. So I'm always looking for ways to add minerals in. And, um, this was something that a friend of mine had recommended. And I, um, you know, you never know how much of it's actually happening and how much of it is just your brain and telling your body to like think that it's happening. But it's these little glass ampules and it's just like a salt. It tastes like seawater, just salty water. And it's, um, you know, it helps with so many different systems in your body, enzyme production, energy production, metabolism, et cetera. But it's also just, uh, you know, pr- because of the electrolyte balance and primarily that sodium in there, it helps your body hydrate as if you're drinking enough water, which I am. I drink like, you know, gallons and gallons of water a day. So anyway, it's one of, it's, it's a little something that I've incorporated recently that I feel like has, um, again, I can't, I can't prove it to be true. I just feel like it's happening. It's made my energy levels better and more balanced. It's obviously non-caffeinated and it's just a fun little thing to, you little, you like crack open this little glass ampule first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. And um, it sounds like so fancy good. too. Everything that you fancy. say definitely always sounds really good. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. Um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends. This is our community and we want to keep on growing so that we can put all our heads together and figure it all out. Follow us on Instagram at MomBrain, YouTube, um, and email us MomBrainPod at gmail.com. Until next time, bye. Bye, guys. This is MomBrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. MomBrain is a Gallery Media Group original production.